Tribute Pod Production. Trigger warning, the following podcast contains discussion about child sexual abuse. If you need to talk to someone, please call Braveheart Support Line on 1800 272 831 Monday to Friday 8.30am to 4.30pm Australian Eastern Time or Lifeline 24 hours 13 11 14. Welcome back to the Bravehearts Triple Seven Marathon, Australia's mightiest running challenge podcast. My name is Mitch Craig, and my oh my, what an episode we have for you today! Strap yourself in for Pete Marnie and Chris Kalak, and now these two gentlemen are stalwarts of the Triple Seven and marathons in general, with over six hundred marathons completed between them both. Their stories, advice, and general perspective on life is something that should really resonate with everyone, regardless of background or ability. Now. Our last episode with Alison Gill, the CEO of Braveheart, spotlighted both state and national runners as advocates. And these two legends are exactly that, advocates. Advocates for the cause in continuing discussion about child sexual abuse and raising awareness of Bravehearts to the wider community. So let's get stuck right in to the episode and find out how Alanis Morissette is soon going to be everybody's guardian angel. is a very warm welcome to both Pete Marnie and Chris Glax Glacken to the podcast episode three, guys. Welcome. Thanks very much. Good, Mitch. Perfect. Basically, we start every episode with some rapid fire stats. So I'll start with you, Pete. Set the scene for us so then we can go the conversation afterwards. But the first question straight out of the gate, how many marathons have you run in total, mate? Well, that's not a bad question because I'm not 100% sure. <laughs> what a start. It's, it's tapping on 300, but there's there's two different clubs around that count in different ways. Yep. And neither of them count the Great Ocean Road Marathon, which is one of my locals. I've done six of those. So I consider I've done around 300. Why, why don't they count the Great Ocean Road Marathon? Well, we're, we're pretty strict on the distance, and, and Glaxi understands this. The 42.195 is just the traditional marathon, and the Great Ocean Road, to get you off the road, takes you another couple of Ks to go to 45. Oh. So that's considered as an ultra marathon. But to me, you know, I've still done six of them, so I'm around 300. That's amazing. That is amazing. Well, the the, the, the bloke you're going to talk to next is a bit more amazing. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I'm excited. So excited to, to get stuck in. But you've done 300, Pete. What's the longest you've ever done? No, probably only about the 45. The, the marathon distance is enough for me. Like a lot of people do hundreds and stuff and I'm just in awe of that, but the, the 42.195 is plenty. Perfect. And you, what's your favourite marathon course? The Great Ocean Road was pretty spectacular. It was tough, but it's beautiful down there. Yeah, that would be an awesome run, actually. That would be a really good run. It was like really, really beautiful. You know, for the first 20-odd Ks, you think, geez, how nice is this? And then, then for the next 32, you think, who cares? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, could, I could be on a treadmill. Fantastic. And then, so how many triple sevens have you completed there, Pete? Uh, completed four. And of course, we lost one due to the COVID. So that was a bit of a disaster. But yeah, I've, I've done four. Yeah, fantastic. And so then what's your favourite leg of the triple seven? Oh, definitely Gold Coast. It's, it's a tough run. So it's not about the run itself. It's just the end of that week. And you know, once you're finished, you're done for it, you know? So it's, 
It's the finish yeah, line. Yeah, it'd be the euphoria, right? You'd almost feel like everyone's there for you as well. <laughs> You're like, yep, we're on here. It's a bit amazing. You can even be running along in the crowd and see one of our support crew or, or one of the Bravehearts girls yell out to you and, and you just you start running on adrenaline for a few k's. It's beautiful. It's a great moment. Well, I, I think it being the last marathon out of out of seven, I think that's all you're running on anyway, isn't it, for the Gold Coast? It's just adrenaline, pretty much, mate? Pre- pretty much, and bare feet. <laughs> all right, so let's get stuck into your stats there, Glax. I'm pretty excited now, mate, that Pete's talked you up, to be honest. So what is <laughs> how mar- legend, legend. legend legend status? Build the man yeah. statue. How many uh, marathons have you run, mate? Oh, I should make it up now, yeah, about a thousand. Perfect. No, not really. <laughs> Over a million. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, and I only know this because I run the 100 Marathon Club, but I'm, I'm on otherwise I wouldn't know, to be totally yep. honest with you, but I've run 313. Oh, Wow. Excuse the ignorance. What, what, what's the what's the hundred club that you guys run for? It's the Australian one hundred marathon club. So basically, the idea is that you join the club if you've completed one full marathon, with the aim of trying to run many more. And it's a club that uh, keeps all the stats. But the idea is also that we meet up socially and encourage each other. And because a lot of people wouldn't know, they just don't keep their own records. So at least with the club, you can sort of look up and you can see how others are going and that sort of thing. Oh, so, that's awesome. A little uh, community yeah. basically for marathon runners, so to speak. That's, yeah. Yeah, that's right. But there are there are certain criteria and certain rules that uh, that do apply and that's what Pete said. So there. what's the longest distance you've uh, you've run there, Glax? Uh, 120K. 120K. Where was that, mate? That was on my own actually, uh, running around a football oval, would you believe, raising some funds for Braveheart. I just did, I don't even know how many laps, a couple of hundred laps it was, but, but I have done other like other. 110k official um, race events through the Adelaide Hills, that sort of thing. So, yeah, I was concerned you were running around the oval by yourself for 120k just for fun. I was like, "Come on, mate, that's we got to have a chat, <laughs> mate." It was it was totally fun. It was no, I had I had support people doing a few laps with me, and and I actually tried to do some sort of a record where I was bouncing a footy every like five times a lap as well because I had to bounce a footy some like a thousand times as well. <laughs> And everything was going really well to the sprinklers come on. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, they were, and they were industrial strength sprinklers. So, yeah, it, it became very That's, difficult. Yeah. You're, you're like, oh, perfect. This isn't hard enough. Let's just get a sprinkler to the face. Fantastic. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, it was a bit of, yeah, a bit of dodging the sprinklers. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. What's your favourite course that you've run? I've run pretty much all over Australia and I, I have favourites for different reasons, though. I like the atmosphere of Sydney, the last the last sort of K as you're running to the finish line because there's like people either side, you know, like all high-fiving and then just the crowd is just amazing and running across the Sydney Harbour Bridge is good. But at the same time, I like the little small outback country ones, like the community feel about them where families are involved and there's a lot of support. And the, my, probably my favourite one was Portland. Even though it's a very hilly course, we finish at the pub. Oh, stop it. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, just <laughs> sit down and knock off a few carbs. Yeah, yeah, that's it. You've earned it. You've earned it. No, that's yeah, fantastic. And then so how many triple sevens have you completed? I've been involved nine years. This will be my ninth year. I did the four full triple sevens. So four years of the, doing the full like seven marathons. Other years we had COVID and then we I think it was done in Queensland. And then last year I, I dropped out after a couple of marathons because I was injured. So, But I've been involved in that race of funds and awareness for, for nine years in a row now. That's remarkable, mate. That is absolutely remarkable. So then what's your favourite leg of the 777, mate? I'm sort of with Pete. I think Gold Coast, and that's not just because it's the last one. It's, it's finished. It's all over. But because I think Gold Coast is good because 
I know so many people from that do run marathons around the country and, and it's always good to have a catch up with them and you see them out on course and before and after the event. But I like Canberra because it's around the lake and like all, all the courses are sort of looped courses so we're actually seeing each other often and sort of encouraging each other. So it really doesn't matter where it is because, because they're all sort of similar format. But I do like Canberra, nice and clean and just running around the lake. And then obviously I can't not say my hometown of, um, of Adelaide down at Glenelg as well just because a lot of support comes along and I get to see a lot of familiar faces. Yeah, home ground advantage, mate. Of course, it's got, it's got to work. That's it's it. got to work. Absolutely. Well, that's awesome. Well, thank you very much for that, guys. That's a nice little snapshot and gives me something to work with. But as I said before, I'm super pumped for the boys episode. <laughs> the boys are back in town. I'm loving it. We're just going to go through how you both started getting involved with the 777. So, Pete, what got you involved with the Bravehearts 777 was because obviously you're a runner first. When, when did you decide to get involved? Basically, the the, the chap we were sharing this podcast with was was Glaxy. So I, I'd done quite a number of marathons and you, you sort of get to 100 and you think, well, what now? Chris was actually um, putting on multiple marathons. So he, he was putting on threes and fives and I thought, geez, you know, if I'm going to yep. fly over to somewhere, I might as well make five days of it and knock over five marathons in a row. And as it turned out, he explained to me what he was doing it for, which was Bravehearts. It resonated with me straight away because... Unfortunately, Ballarat's got a sad history of, of the Catholic Church and pedophilia here. That's pretty well recognised. This is where George Pell was and, and stuff like that. It just clicked with me straight away because I was actually getting to the point where you get to the 30K mark and think, what the hell am I doing this for? Mm. I was starting to really sort of question and, and look for a reason to go out there and do it. The minute we spoke, Glaxy won me over and, and then he basically, he talked me into doing it and supported me to do my first triple seven financially as well. Yep. So he helped me with the finances too, because I said to him, look, mate, I'm, I'm a single dad with five kids. I'm working shift work. I won't be able to raise 10 grand. So he helped me out, got me started on the journey and, and I'll never be able to thank him enough for it because it's been in a really important part of my life. It's quite heavy, but sometimes I think, you know, people just come together. Blacksy had been raising funds for Bravehearts for quite a while. Yeah, here I was searching for a reason to keep plodding around, and there it was right in front of me, and it was like a light bulb went off. So, yeah, Blacksy's a great mate of mine, and I appreciate his efforts, and he's like a a lighthouse for a lot of us. He's, he's sort of one of the founders, if you like, yep. of getting really stuck into the triple seven. So Glaxy, what what brought you in? And then you seem to be the gatherer of people and bringing people in and supporting them, supporting Pete with the sponsorship to start with and, and just getting him involved initially. That's a massive, massive effort. But what got you in at the start? I ran the, uh, the Adelaide leg of the triple seven. I think it was back in about 2015. That was my first one because I was also at the time running around Australia, um, running a lot of marathons. And um, I was trying to look at the calendar and see when I can fit a few more in, and I just stumbled across the Bravehearts 777 one in Adelaide. And I was there at the start line standing standing in the dark waiting to go, and I was just standing next to a girl, and we started running together and kept the same pace, and we just started chatting as it went along. And that, that person was Danny who did who did the 777. She didn't do it last year, but she's done pretty much most years. Yep. And, and we just got talking, and she was the one that inspired me to um, – I made a promise to her that I'll come back next year and do the seven. Just kept doing it since. Your relationship with Danny and what Danny did, was that kind of why you passed the torch and was it kind of helping people get involved in the in the Brave Hearts like Pete? Well, I think so. I think that's, yeah, and, and I've done I've done similar thing with, with some other people and, yeah, just trying to get as many people involved as possible because I guess the idea is that we want our um, – as state runners to become national runners eventually. So, And it seems like all the national runners, it's quite a safe space. Everybody's kind of really builds a really nice community too where everyone's accepted whatever the background and it's 
kind of a really nice place to be a part of for, for everyone, really. That's the key that, you know, we come together, we don't know each other apart from you know, meeting on social media, but within probably two or three days, it's almost like a, a second family because we're sharing so much time together, either out on course, in the hotel room, on the bus, on the plane. And I always I always call them my 777 family, so it's sort of... It just draws you back every year. And, and quite often there's, there's similar people that are running, you know, they're backing up from the previous year. I am swear they'll never do it again, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, that old chestnut. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I reckon everyone does that. You get to like about the 30K mark and you think, right, that's it, I'm never doing this again. I'm going to finish, but I'm never doing it again. And then a couple of days later, you start to look on the calendar and say, when's the next one? A couple of days to recover, then you start going again. So, Well, that's why the concept of the... Triple seven, I keep thinking about it and how you keep, you have to have the mental toughness to keep going every day. Like, and it's not so much having to do seven marathons. Yes, that is mentally challenging. But if you look at, like, say, professional sportsmen, and they always talk about, oh, recovery is a big thing. And then, like, it's really hard exercising and participating in sport after travel. And you guys are doing that every day. You're living out of a suitcase for seven days and you're, running 42.195 you're running that every day and then you're in a bus you're in a car you're, you're in a hotel and then a flight it's just it's beyond belief for me that you go through this and what is it that gets you through it i'll start with you pete what what gets you through that that whole video because am i right in saying pete you're 60 and you're still yeah. doing this yeah my goodness well- mate well, 61 by the time we go this year, but look, look, the body's starting to catch up a little bit and, and that's just, it's going to happen. Sooner or later, it's going to be over. But once you're into it, you're just into it. I, I think us older people that have, have done a few are a little bit hardened to it. You know, we're used to flying interstate to go and do a run and stuff like that and then jump on the plane and come back and, and do night shift type of thing. It's the emotional lift you get with, with a group like that. You're running around and it takes you outside of thinking about yourself. Mm. You know, if you see someone stopping and, and, and walking and having a bit of a struggle, the best thing you can do to help yourself is take some of the load off them. Stop and whack an arm around them and walk for a couple hundred metres. So there's all that. It's not the pressure of a of a big city marathon where you're trying to crack out a four hour or a four and a half hours. It's it's a different thing. We're, we're not finished till we're all finished. That's, that's how it works. That's a great quote. Great quote. We're not finished till we're all finished. That's fantastic. And how about you, Glass? You've been involved for nine years. But what gets you through it, mate? I think it's um, what I, I tell people. It's it's not about like running fast and and finish times. And you've got to treat the whole week like an, it's like a big long ultra. So you just want to take it easy because you've got to be you want to be there at the end. So and I always reckon I think we've got six and a half we've got six and a half hours to finish each race. So I always say that the longer you're out on course, the greater the awareness. So take your time. And I think I think that's the, the thing. It's not so much the running because we can we have got time to finish it. It's more the eat now, get on a plane, get on a bus, do this, do that. Like it's all it's all go go go. But the running part of it, I think that's relaxation. To be honest with you, so if it's all the other rush 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 after that. Well, that that's what you can control. You can control left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot. You you've done over three six hundred between you. I'm pretty sure you've got the running part nailed. It's the all the other logistics that's running around behind you, like the food, the travel, and all that kind of stuff that you would get your tents, I would suppose. Yeah. Preparation, gents. How do we prepare? But normally we're running a marathon nearly every weekend anyway, so so we don't really need to follow any official training plan because we're just we're just running. Yeah. Okay. And I always say to people, in my mind, there's lots of training plans you can follow. 
But for me, I don't want to lose the enjoyment of running, so I, I try to just back off and just run a max of three times a week. Obviously, I have the long, run, the long run on the weekend, which for the long, the long run for me is actually a marathon event. So I host a lot of events myself. So there's 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 always one on the calendar. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. How about yourself, Pete? Um, for me, basically, for years, for probably for about the last twenty years, I was a single dad and working shift work, not being able to be part of a running club or, or set hard schedules. I just run from home, running around the bush. Yeah. And mentally, it's just awesome. Like, I see roos, I, I see parrots, cockatoos, <laughs> bloody kookaburras sitting up in the trees laughing at running past. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just awesome, you know, and, and mentally, it's done me the, the world of good as well. To have five kids on my own and three of them teenage girls, I had to go running, mate. <laughs> there, there's no set preparation, um, just K's in the legs, and it, it becomes a bit of a habit. For yourself, I used to get across and do a fair few of Glaxis. Injuries caught me at the moment too, so my preparation this year is going to be very, very different, a bit bit more challenging. As, as Chris just sort of alluded to in, in a certain way, it's not all about the running. It's about the creating awareness and trying to raise a few bob. Yeah. I consider once everyone gets there, they've done their job. Just in, just enjoy the week. You know, get get through the week and 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 take great pride in, in the achievement at the end of it. But the hard work's now when you're trying to raise money and, and you're trying to Get people to listen to why we're doing it. That's what it's all about. No, that's a very good point. And so what are some techniques that uh, both you employ to raise money? Are there any tips and tricks that you've got there? Like, is there any event or something that you do that's worked really well for you? When I first started, I um, I tried everything known to man. I, I was running <laughs> raffles. I was just doing all sorts of crazy, crazy stuff like barbecues yeah. and anything to think of. But, but then I stumbled across um, hosting my own events. Yeah, and, okay. and trying to give people a purpose to run, and and that was to support the charity. So uh, the first event I ever held, I, I was thinking to myself, I uh, maybe I might get twenty, thirty people rock up, and I reckon we got three hundred. Oh, and it was geez. only ever going to be a one, a one off. Yeah. So and everyone keeps saying to me, "When's the next one?" And I'm thinking, "Well, it wasn't going to be the next one." So I just sort of <laughs> snowballed snow from there. Yeah, I budgeted for fifty. We got three hundred. We're done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and it stayed like that for a good couple of years. Well, how regularly do you run? events now every second weekend i reckon you could just about say on average maybe 25 a year 25 events yeah wow. and i like to challenge people so we have lots of lots of different types of events not just the marathon but we have sort of different sort of timed events and and sort of a lot of virtual stuff as well so yeah okay i keep reinforcing the fact that money goes to to braveheart so it's sort of you know you're running with purpose spoke to alison gill the ceo of bravehearts and that's basically what we discussed was that you guys are advocates for bravehearts which is just fantastic that you're doing these events what a great way to raise money and awareness at the same time it's yeah fantastic idea and how about yourself pete i i, I certainly haven't got the golden touch like blacks he, he's got onto a ripper there with with the running uh the, the events I would have liked to try and get something going like that a little bit myself here because we've got a, a lake that's six kilometres, so seven laps of that would be perfect. But um, COVID come along and, and crashed all that for a couple of years, yep. as you can imagine. Not being part of a club or a running group or anything, it's really difficult as an individual. So I've found I've had to put my hand in my own pocket most of the time for probably average five or six grand yep. each year. But I've got to come up with some plans like Glaxy has. And, and try and increase the fundraising and, and get a bit more cash in somehow. Just got to find a way. I sort of, I console myself with the fact that where, wherever I've been running all around the country, I always wear the Bravehearts gear. So my contribution, I like to think, is the awareness. Even when I'm training, I wear the Bravehearts gear around Ballarat. So I, I just want people to see it. Every time I run, I wear that. That's a contribution as well, I, I, I like to think. And it, 
done done stories in media like um, down here up in Townsville, just putting the story out there because it's a story that people don't really want to talk about. So it's really tough. You, you've you've got to put it in their face a bit. Yeah, we, we all know cancer. We all talk about that very openly and freely. But you mentioned pedophilia and, and people will talk to you, but tomorrow they don't want to know about it. Yeah. You've got to reinforce that. It, it's a horrible subject and you've got to keep putting it under people's noses a bit, unfortunately. It is a bit like that, isn't it? It's a little bit too. Yeah, it is. I, it I is. know from my own situation, but you, I, like, I just don't know what to say. Like you don't want to say the wrong thing and that kind of thing. But it's an it, uncomfortable thing. It, it is. It, it really it is. is. And, and even when you approach businesses, some businesses don't want to touch it because it's it's not a pleasant subject. So they don't want anything unpleasant to do with their business. Yep. Even though it would be a good thing to sponsor, it's still a negative to them. So, and I get that. It's very hard to ask people, but we just keep doing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And the, the fact of the matter is it's reality. It's real. It's in your face. That's really well said, mate. Really well said. You've both run over 300 marathons. Is there anything that you do specifically for the 777 that, whether it be in preparation or during the race, that you don't normally do in your marathons? Is there like something specifically for the 777 that you always do every year to make sure that you're safe throughout the seven? Uh, for me, there's there's nothing. Nothing really changes. Chris is probably not dissimilar because we used to run a marathon every couple of weeks. Yeah. When when the airfares and that were a bit cheaper and I could sneak over to Adelaide from, from Melbourne for, you know, 70 bucks, you'd fly across and we were doing one every couple of weeks. So you don't have to change routines much to lob up and do the 777, to be honest. We're pretty lucky in that regard, probably pretty well prepared for it. Okay. Glad. So are you the same, mate? You'll just put the shoes on and off you go? Pretty much routine. And remember, Pete, we've also run like two, three, four marathons in one day as well. So yeah, um, yeah. we, well, just, you we just keep flying <laughs> along and um, just get the job done. Yeah. But nothing really changes, no. <laughs> Oh, wow. Look, until the leg drops off, you know, I've got that much titanium in me now. I I feel like I'm going to go out, sort of go around the corner and come back like the Terminator robot one of these days. I was about to say, (laughs) hey, your nickname's Arnie. Look at you go. That's fantastic. We're just like a couple of turtles or tortoises just just have the endurance to keep going very slowly. (laughs) Slow and steady. We always get there in the end, though. Just remember, the tortoise did beat the hair, mate. It did. It did, absolutely. From my very short-lived experience of endurance events, which was, in comparison to what you're doing, very, very minimal, one thing that I had to deal with was basically nipple rash from everything happening. Do you guys do anything to manage that? (laughs) Or do we just keep pushing through because... I, I was crying like a baby after 20K. I'm like, this is no good for anyone. We don't need this. I was actually famous for it. With, Were you? with the, 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 the blood spots on the front of the white singlet. Oh, no. When, when, we, <laughs> when we had the white singlet one year. So, look, I, I, I tried the shaving. That yeah. didn't help. I tried the Vaseline. That didn't help. Yep. Uh, last year, I got the little round Band-Aids. Stuck them on the nipples, and, and that, that seemed to do the job. So, yeah, yeah that saved me a bit. Yeah. But um, the, the worst part when you cop that is getting under the hot shower. Yeah. Oh, nasty. No nasty can ask No good at all. I'd rather go another five or 10 Ks than do that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. How about you, Glass? Do you, do you have to manage that as well, mate? Or No, nah, mate. I, I worked out the trick is to just don't run so fast because that way I don't sweat. <laughs> Nips of steel. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, yeah. streamlined Galax over there. Easy, mate. <laughs> exactly. Oh, on your run, do you guys listen to music or anything? 
or do you just want to immerse yourself in the atmosphere? I do. I've got a, I'm really strict on what I do where I, I don't normally, when I normally run a marathon event, I don't, I don't have any nutrition or anything until I get to the halfway point. That, that's okay. just for me, that's something to look forward to. And, and when I have that, oh, that's when I turn, turn the music on because mostly in a marathon, when you start, you, you, you amongst running amongst so many other people and, and I like to chat to people when I run. Believe it or not, so if, if I'm find somebody I don't want to talk, I'll just drop back or go ahead and find somebody else. And I, by the time the halfway point comes along, most of the people are spread right out, so it becomes a bit of a lonely gig. Yeah. So my reward is that when I get to the halfway point, that's when I turn the music on. I always listen to the same the same person. I just listen to Alanis Morissette the whole time. Straight every time, every marathon, absolutely half time. Yep. Alanis yep. Morissette comes on. Alanis enters the scene. Yep. Give us a few lines, Blakey. Give us a few lines of Alanis. <laughs> <laughs> Outstanding. If I had my guitar, I might, but yeah. Am I, am I right? That's um, got another hand in my pocket. Is that that one? That's it, mate. You've nailed it. You've nailed it. <laughs> ah, there we go. <laughs> That's very ironic. Very yeah. ironic, mate. Oh, there we go. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> mate, from just the, seeing the person you are and judging a book by its cover, I would not have guessed that Alanis Morissette was your go-to for your running music. That's so good. Yeah, no, nah, I'm the number one fan, mate. Why don't you deviate artists? Why is it so strictly Alanis Morissette? I think it's just something I did in the beginning because I, I was listening to not just like one song, it was the whole album. Yeah. And I just started playing the whole albums and then a lot of live live recordings as well. So, yeah, and I just I just thought I'll just get some over the line because there was one tour that she did and it was called the Guardian Angel Tour. So I started saying to myself, okay, well, she's my Guardian Angel. She's, you know, just takes my mind off everything and I just listen to the music. Yeah, and she has run, and she has run a marathon, by the way. That's that's awesome, mate. I love the symbolism of her being the guardian angel. That yeah, that's yeah, sold, done. When I go for a run next, I'm putting Alanis Morissette on. <laughs> <laughs> to tell you the story, um, there was a couple of marathons we did in the Triple Seven where there were people involved in the Triple Seven, and they were playing music at the turnaround points. So I always request Alanis Morissette. So when they knew they saw me coming, they'd switch on Alanis. So I'd always have Alanis blaring as a turnaround oh, point. So yeah, that's so good. That's so good. Sorry, Pete, do you do you listen to music? You don't, hey. Oh, they, no, I, I do. Yeah, I yeah. totally do. I, I find that sometimes, even though you're amongst you know a, a great group of people, it can still be a lonely place out there. And yeah. sometimes too much emptiness in your head lets some of that negative stuff from your, your past or your childhood come back in. Yeah. So I like the noise, and it might even be just the local radio station. So you're up with what's going on in Perth or what's happening in Brisbane through the week or the, or the footy or the cricket or whatever. But I like a bit of noise, but not enough so you can't just whip, whip the plug out and, and have a yarn to someone as you, you know, if you run a few hundred metres together. Um, but yeah, I, I don't like the, the silence. That's fair enough. I relate to that as well, mate. I, I have to run with music. I, I can't be in my own head for too long. Yeah, it's well, no good. actually, you said that very well. I, I can't be in my own head because I'm a bit of an overthinker, uh, and that's sort of come from a, a, a childhood situation. So mm-hmm. you, you're better off to have a bit of distraction. Yeah, that works for me. Find something that works and go with it. Hey, well, I've got no alarmists, but who was them Scottish guys that sang? I, I will walk one thousand miles. That's, oh, that's about me. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> wasn't they cool? I can't the, remember. What, pro- proclaimers or something? Proclaimers, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah, 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 that's the one. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, that's me. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I sadly remember that song. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've actually lived that song. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, that's it. Hey, I, I want to touch on a little bit of superstition just because, Glax, I feel like Alanis has kind of become a superstition you can't run without her. Is there anything else that's a superstition for you both or – We'll call it a routine that you do every single time that you go for a run. Is there is there anything like that? For me, I, when I go for a run, like 
any other time, it's I don't have any superstitions at all. But the one thing I do every time we do the triple seven is I I request Vegemite sandwiches and iced coffee at the end of every race. So and I, that that's provided. So that's I always chop away on the Vegemite sandwiches every time we go past the aid station. So every lap, yeah. What every lap you just see your Vegemite sandwich sitting there, you're like oh, oh, three more hours. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. yep. Absolutely. Yep. What brought that on as a like as a an award for finishing their marathon? What why did you pick? Why did you pick an iced coffee and a and a vegetable? The iced coffee is actually good, like for recovery. Uh, they they reckon like chocolate milk or any sort of milk straight after. Man, within twenty minutes, the finishing is always nice uh, recovery. So yeah, I just started. It's just something to look forward to, right? So where's my iced coffee? <laughs> What's what I, I need it. I've, I've I've done the hard yards. I've earned this. Now give it here. I was going to say, that's my incentive to finish a little bit quicker just in case somebody steals my off coffee before I get finished. <laughs> and that, 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 that's a warning, by the way, to everybody, yeah. That's my new routine. He doesn't realise it, but I'm the one knocking off half his own coffee. Go down the Gold Coast, Glax is just palming every Bravehearts person off the track, <laughs> making sure his ice coffee's there. Exactly right. <laughs> what about you, Pete? Yeah, do you have any superstitions? Yeah, yeah. Do you have any superstitions, Pete? No, there's certainly no superstitions. Um, I, I really do like my music. Like if, if, if I head off from here and then I'll just, just mentally not switched on and I forgot to put my music on and then don't want to come back home, I, I, I miss it. So I, I do need that noise going in my head, and unless I'm talking to someone out on course. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I really try and make sure that I've charged up my music and I've, I've got some just some noise to go with. That's that's probably the most traditional thing I do. Yeah, yeah, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. Other than that, other, other than that I'm knocking off East Sangers and Milk. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a new tradition. <laughs> <laughs> I create tradition, mate. Yeah, yeah. Paul Glass is going to be threshing now. On the first run, he's like, no, I won't touch it. I'll tell you one thing. The, the, the first year I did the triple seven, I was a bit worried about not having enough gear. So I, I pretty much took almost seven pairs of shoes and seven shorts and singlets and all sorts of stuff. And I had, I yeah. had all this backup with the music. I had a couple of backups in case, and even my garment, I had an extra garment. I just took so much. It was a massive suitcase. And there's Pete Rocks up in his first year. All he, all he had was basically a toothbrush in his back pocket. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Pete. Look at you go. I'm not really a minimalist or anything like that. I just hate lugging around bloody suitcases. Yep. So I, I hit off from Ballarat in the runners I'm going to wear and I take them off when I get home. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Really? That's it? That's it. And a backpack. I have enough jocks and socks for the week. Seven pairs of jocks, seven pairs of socks. I, I try and wash them after each mara. If I get back in time to wash them before we go to the airport, then dry them with the hair dryer. When I've been rooming with anyone like Glaxy, they're never sure if I've been cooking toast or drying me jocks. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> what about your, like your shorts and your singlet? Do you wash those as well or you just keep them cycling? Yeah, yeah. No, nah, give them a wash. And, and the thing is with the jocks and the socks, because they're so damn hard to get dry, you, you can dry the singlet and shorts in, in 10 minutes with a hairdryer. But jocks and socks, if I need to turf them, I've got enough to just turf them if, if you've got to fly off to the airport. Um, but I, I just hate dragging around an extra bloody suitcase. I, I think, why? <laughs> yeah, right. Do you not get cold? Like, do you have a jumper or? No, nah, look, I've worked it out pretty well. I'll, I'll wear me um, me trappy dacks and me, me wind shooter top from here sort of thing. Get over there. So you've, you've got that set of heavy gear for the week and, and then a, a two or three thin T-shirts that you can dry really easily if you need to. But you can wear one of them for, you know, two or three days because you're only you're only in that stuff for the second part of the day and you're sitting on a plane. Yeah, yeah, so true. You're not going to get all grungy sort of thing. 
Um, and, and just a spray jacket that I can put on straight after the run if I'm a bit chilly. And then over the top of the spray jacket, I can put my hoodie so it doesn't get all sweaty. Yeah. So I've, I've worked it out pretty well. And I, I, I sort of vacuum pack. So you can really you know, take all the air out of the bags and squash all this stuff into your bag. But I find I don't need any more than that. It hasn't let me down yet. No, it, it sounds like a fine art, to be honest, mate. It sounds like a fine it, art. It, it works. You know, I'm sitting on the plane when everyone's waiting for their bags. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're done. That's so good. And so what, Glaxy, you've turned into a into a bit of a Pete disciple, so to speak, and just gone, right, we're, we're on we're onto a backpack. Yeah, for the first time last year I got it down to having no check in luggage. I only had my carry on luggage, but it was it was a hard hard, hard work getting there, I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how he does. So that's that's the warning, that's the lesson. Don't don't bring so much because you've got to get in the queue and check yeah. it all in and, and I do tell the story that, that one year I got home, I you fly around all around Australia. One year I got back home to Adelaide. Um, I got home safely, but my luggage didn't. My luggage ended up in Sydney and it took nearly a week to find it. So that's the scary part. That happens, I guess, occasionally. So, but yeah, no, I, I definitely, would, I definitely will minimize my uh, the gear that I take. And and there's probably a little tip there for everyone, like for for all newcomers who happen to hear this, have one set of tomorrow's running gear in your luggage. You carry on stuff because a couple of suitcases yes. went missing last year, and two of the girls had nothing. Yeah, it got left behind. I think it was left in Hobart or Launceston or somewhere. Um, so you want to take tomorrow's on the plane with you just in yeah, case. Yeah, yeah, that's really good advice. Really good advice. Do you have any other advice for new runners that you would pass on other than the luggage? Is there anything else that you guys can kind of um, guide them look, with? All, all I'd say is, is be, be prepared to um, maybe have a little bit of an emotional hit through the week. That's, that's quite common. And it's just the fact that you're really fatigued. Look, it's it's like having a new baby where you don't get to sleep and you're all stressed out because you don't know what you're doing with bub. And it can happen in the middle of the week, it, it seems to be. And, and it may not be anything to do with 777. It could be something that's been playing on your mind about work or family or but your emotions are vulnerable. Be okay to take that little hit. If you need to have a bit of a sulk, have a bloody sulk. Let it out. We, you know, we all care about you. But but it can really happen. I've seen that quite often. That's a really good point. And I think the community around the triple seven kind of is built for that, right? Like the, everyone comes together, everyone's yes. going through the same thing together at that time, all with different backgrounds. And I think it's a nice little capsule moment for everyone just to kind of get around and help. And it, it really, really is. It, it's it's not the type of marathon where you're going out and you're going past people. If, if someone stops, you stop and you have a walk and say, how you going? How you traveling? Are you okay? That's not like Glaxy said. You can't put it into a better word than family. That's, that's what it's like for a week. It, it really is. But at the same time, I think the key is just to relax. Just don't take it so seriously. I always say that that, that week of the Triple Seven is like what we call the victory lap of the whole four months previous of doing all the fundraising and creating the awareness. So just enjoy enjoy that last week for what it is, and just just take the foot off and just relax and just take it easy and just make sure that you know you don't go out fast in the first couple of days. You, you need to be there at the end. So well, as you said, Pete, earlier, what you finish when you all finish, right? Like you. That's 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 how it is. Yep. 100%. It's a team event for the week, basically. It really, really is. It's, you know, big corporations would pay a fortune for this with the you know, team bonding. It's and, and we're getting it for nothing. And, and and you can take that home to your families and to your workplaces and, and you can carry that same, that same sort of team spirit where it takes you right out of yourself. Marathon running can be very individual, but triple seven's not. I, I didn't touch on it before, but I think, Pete, it needs to be said for doing it. And the fundraising, and when you don't reach the goal that you're looking for, dipping into your own pocket is so selfless, and 
is such a, like oh, I dare say you wouldn't be the only one, but it is oh, for such sure. a great uh, human thing to do is be like, no, I'm, I want to do this. I want to be an advocate for brave hearts, and if it costs me five, six, seven grand, then that's that's what it costs me because I want to be part of this event. That that's yeah, so selfless, mate. It um. To be able to wear the Braveheart stuff gives me great pride. You know, the, probably the first year I'd done it and I started wearing them around the country, marathons in, in Victoria, Terelgan, Wangaratta, wherever. You know, you didn't hear much. But but after a couple of years of seeing me getting around the scene, you'd, you'd start to hear people in even a car going past. Go Braveheart. And, and it's just, oh, fair dinkum. Makes your heart skip a bit of a beat, mate. And, you know, you, you, you're stepping a bit quicker. Only until they're going around the corner, then you slow up again. Yeah, then you're like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Chester's out, Chester's out. Yeah, but, but peacocking really made me slow. I've really started to notice that they're recognising the gear that I'm wearing, and, and they'll even come up after the event and, and they've read your singlet, and they'll say, "Okay, what is it?" And you can tell them all about it. So that's why I think it's really important, not to just for anyone that participates, wear it like a, a state footy jumper. You know what I mean? You, you, you. You've earned that. Wear it to some of your runs, park runs and stuff, and get people talking about it. Really enjoy speaking to you guys. So we've got a little bit over time. I do apologise. That's been great. We're going to touch on recovery. So you did mention before, Waxy, about the milk. So having milk after a marathon within, was it 40 minutes, 20 to 40 minutes? 20 minutes, yeah. 20 minutes is uh, recommended, which is great. So one of the, we'll go physical. Let's go physical recovery to start with. Is there anything else that you guys do after each race that you try and be quite strict on in terms of your recovery? I, I don't personally, but you'll you notice during the triple seven week that everyone, when we get to the airport, everyone's lying on their backs with their legs elevated against the walls. <laughs> um, obviously, that must have something to do with the lactic acid or something. I'm not sure, but, yeah. um, but everyone seems to do it. Yeah. So uh, you just sound, Galaxy, like, what was the, was it Cliff? Oh, what's his last name? He ran oh, Cliffy the- Young. Cliffy Young. Cliffy Young. Cliff Young. Yeah. yeah. Just yeah. like, yeah. just, all right, I'm running. Off you go. And he ran in, ran in Wellingtons, didn't he? Or like, yeah, yeah. 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 You just yeah. sound like a no frills guy who just goes, I'm I'm going to run seven marathons and I'm, I'm just going to run it. Like, is that right? You don't do much recovery. Just take what your bare essentials. Just get it done. But, um, and Cliffy Young did drink a lot of milk. Yeah, sorry, I, I hope I didn't insult you with that. No, no, my my wife started calling me Cliffy once, and I said, "Please don't do that. That's going to stick." <laughs> oh no! Oh no! I've put it in a podcast now, mate. Now, yeah, now, now look what now you've, you've done. Now you've put it out there, mate. It's, yeah, I mean, I can I can see it coming. It's, it would be an honour, Pete. How about yourself? Do you have any recovery techniques, mate? Very, very similar. Very much the same, but. I'm, I'm pretty hot on, on keeping the fluids up, so maybe get some hydrolytes into you. Glaxy's spot on with the milk because it's got a, it's got protein, bit of sugar, bit of fat, so it's everything you want. But later on, it's, it's hydrolytes. Get those salts back into your body and, and, and be a bit careful of what you have because magnesium is some salts. It's magnesium oxide. So, you know, it can go through you a bit. So be a bit careful of what you choose. Now, I think a big part of it now that we've co- we have kind of touched the outskirts of this topic, which is mental health whether it be before, during, or after. But I think after, it really will present itself because you build such a big bond around the event itself. Everyone's going through the hurt locker for seven days. You form such a close bond of family around it. You've been fundraising for 12 months. Is is there a bit of a, I suppose, a, a mental hurdle that you need to overcome over the coming three months or weeks? 
or anything like that or, or, or is it smooth sailing for you? I've heard um, a lot of people say that, that it's, uh, it's a bit of a letdown after the event. But I mean, I guess Pete's the same because we start running straight away again. Yeah. We've usually got something on the following weekend. Yeah, so okay. We're just straight back into it. Your calendar's pretty full yeah, anyway. Just, you're just, just going to the next thing, going to the next yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Just move on. But I think, and it's, it's always like, I know people need motivation. So in the early days, I, I'd always book up marathons in advance, especially when I was traveling around Australia, because that then it gave me a target to work towards. So I always had something to focus on next. But I do understand that once some people would, would have just done the triple seven, then they probably swear they're never going to run again. So yeah. Yep. Then after, after they do recover, then they start, well, what are they now sort of thing? Yeah. I, I get that. Well, it's it seems like you, you guys have each other as well. Like you're in different states, yes, but yep. it does sound like that you kind of you communicate a lot. You're able to go for runs when you can and, yeah, it's, um, I think that's we, really We have important. done a lot of runs. Yeah, we, we've done a hell of a lot of marathons together over the journey. Like we missed a fair bit of that through COVID obviously and and the fact that we both had injuries this year yeah. and the airfares have gone mental oh. since COVID sort of gone. <laughs> it's just, I just can't get over there. So, unfortunately, no. I probably won't see Chris until the triple seven. But, yeah, no, he's, he's a real inspiration, this fella, and, and, you know, I'm proud to know him. Glaxy, I reckon you got a heart of gold, mate, bringing everyone in, getting them sorted, and then helping people with their fundraising. It's just phenomenal, mate. You, you need to look in the mirror and smile, I think, buddy. You, you're doing an absolute great job, mate. Seriously, yeah, you, Pete, what 60 years old, 61, doing your fifth well, marathon? You've well, he's old, old mate. He's got me covered. I'm 61 plus a fair bit of GST. <laughs> oh, mate, you're, you're a 60 40 for sure. You, you look 40. I think, yeah, well, I'm, yeah, yeah, well, I've got to think about it actually, but um, I reckon I'll be 64 come, come the triple seven. Yeah, yeah, that's oh. a fair effort, mate. It's just yeah, another it mate. It is. Yeah. Oh, boys, yeah. you're so inspirational. I'm, I'm, I don't think Bravehearts could have better ambassadors for the organisation. It's yet really good. Well done, guys. Thank you, mate. Or did you guys want to say anything before we finish up? Or Not really. I, I think we've, we've covered all bases. The, the only thing I, I, that really eats away at me a bit at times is I just wish people would wear the Bravehearts gear more. I'm sure they're very, very proud, but it'd be great if you're getting around your local, like if you're back in Sydney or you, you, you live out, Wodonga or whatever, um, your local park runs or your training runs, don't let it end just with the week. And, and you may not have to fundraise or anything, but just take that awareness out there because we've, we've got to keep that going. Glaxy, did you want to say anything, mate? Yeah, no, I, I, I 100% agree. I think the awareness is, is the key and, and raising the funds of else comes secondary. So, I mean, at, at all our events, we have the Bravehearts flags and a lot of people, we actually have Bravehearts logo on, on one of our running tops. So we certainly do that. And a lot of people do uh, spend their own time training, so they're running during the week wearing that gear as well. So yeah. certainly, and I used to always, I used to joke that uh, in South Australia, people had never heard of Bravehearts, and apart from the fact that it was a movie, we certainly created a profile in South Australia. Yeah, absolutely, and it's an easy way to break the ice. You wear the uniform, you wear the outfit. People ask you like, "What is Bravehearts? What, what? Why do you keep wearing that singlet?" And it kind of breaks the ice, yes. and you can. Exactly. You can bring out the topic that, yep. the, that they don't want to talk about. So yep. it's, I agree. It's, yeah, it's a great ice. 100% icebreaker. correct. Great icebreaker. Right. So let's go each. Hey, what is your, how would you describe the triple seven event in one word? Oh, look, I, I can give you one word, but then might have to clarify it a bit. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. Go um, for it. Go for it. Because I've thought about it. And um, to me, it's, it's reassuring. I, I find it reassuring. And, and the reasoning behind that is, 
you know, you're sitting here every day watching the news and, and, you know, countries do crap to other countries and people do shocking things to other people. And you get up there for that week and you've got the Bravehearts team and, and, and all their support crew and all the runners. And it's good to see that, hey, there's more good people out there than bad. Yeah. That's that's what I take away from it. So reassuring. Gave me goosebumps, mate. That's such a good point, especially in the world today. It it's is. a really good observation, mate, and well done. Galaxy, how about you? I reckon for me, it would have to be uh, purposeful. I just think that if you give people a purpose for anything, then, then it just makes it a lot easier and a lot more motivation. So, And I always use the hashtag running with purpose. So I think you've got to sort of look at the end result sometimes. And yeah, this is why we're doing it. You know, it might be tough to run and everything else, but there's a lot more people out there that are finding life a lot more tougher. And I think just running with purpose helps with the yeah. motivation. So yeah, I would just say there is a reason why we're doing this. Yeah, geez, boys, you're absolutely dominating, hey. <laughs> There's no other way to put it. It's uh, You're definitely running with purpose and you're definitely uh, boring everyone around you to be better people anyway. So it's fantastic. Keep keep up the great work. Look, thanks very much for having us. I hope anyone listening to this just, just thinks, geez, I can go out and, and do some of this. You mightn't have to do the seven marathons, but possibly come along to your state marathon. Start with one. Start with one. And and if you can't manage that, have some conversations. Get the conversation going. Thanks, Mitch. No, thanks, Mitch. Appreciate it. I really enjoyed that discussion with Pete and Chris, especially because of the contrast in preparation and execution and how Jess Peel, episode one, attacks the event. It is important to remember that everyone is different and find the groove that suits you and run with it. Excuse the bun. Now, I want to thank Peter and Chris for the interview as I had an absolute blast. They are both truly passionate and kind-hearted people who over the age of 60 is still putting one foot in front of the other all in the name of Brave Hearts. Now, if you haven't already, make sure you click that follow button to ensure you keep up to date when new episodes are released. I cannot wait to share the next one with you, but before then, share this episode with your family and friends so they understand the bond that you share with the national runners. I did want to also point out that it's important to say that any conversation regarding health or nutrition is solely the thoughts of myself or the guests. Should you be looking for information regarding health or nutrition for the event, please consult a medical practitioner. I'm Mitch Craig and this is the Braveheart 777 Marathon Podcast. Thank you for listening to a private Tribute Pod production podcast. Distribution and content approval of this podcast is solely with the customer with no liability to Tribute Pod. For more information regarding privacy, terms and conditions, or to arrange further podcasts, please head to our website, www.tributepod.com.au. Feel free to give us a like or share on our socials if you enjoyed this dedication. A Tribute Pod production.